0: Hey everybody, it's Steve with com, a blog unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming unto Christ for healing. Uh, Today is our fifth episode, which I'm excited about for our anonymous questions post. Um, For those of you who have submitted anonymous questions, seriously, huge props. It takes a lot of courage to reach out, particularly... Um, even anonymously with your vulnerable questions. I often think when we post these that I'm like, I don't know that I would do that early in recovery. Be willing to put it out there. Um, So we have quite an audience here to answer your questions. So I will start. First time appearing on the podcast is my lovely wife, Kayla. Hello. Kayla, you're on the podcast. How do you feel about that?
1: So
2: great. It's surreal a little bit.
0: So, So one of our questions we'll get to, someone asked directly, like, how did your wife respond to, and so I was like, Kayla, you just have to come on, I mean, just to answer their question, so I appreciate Kayla willing to be on here and be vulnerable, um, we have James and Christy, whose story you might have recently heard, if you haven't listened to it, um, in an unshaming way, total shame on you, and you should go listen to it right now, um, and so you've heard from James and Christy, thanks for being here,
3: hello, thank you,
0: um, I look up to them a lot in recovery and they just have a lot of answers. So I thought they would be great to jump in on this. And we have our expert, Sherry, if you want to, I'll let you introduce yourself because you okay. know more about you.
4: I'd, I probably do. <laughs> um, <laughs> my name is Sherry Christensen. I'm a marriage and family therapist. Uh, I've been working with addicts and uh, spouses in betrayal trauma for, I don't know, probably around 13 years. Um, I also do a lot of, teaching parents how to talk to their kids about healthy sexuality. Uh, I love the God focus. I think that's a huge part, and so that is one of the reasons I'm really excited to be on here. I do online groups for women um, in betrayal trauma. So if I thought we'll probably talk about that later.
0: And you wrote a book?
4: Yes, I have a book for... Uh, parents. Christy's
0: showing kids. it to all of you. <laughs> Isn't the cover beautiful?
4: It is beautiful. I have a, had a great illustrator and uh, so it helps, helps parents introduce conversations about healthy sexuality.
0: Tell us the title of the book.
4: Uh, My Body's a Gift from God, Introducing Conversations to Safeguard Children.
0: Awesome. Did so we'll say it
4: right? I'm like, uh-oh. So we'll,
0: <laughs> we'll put a link onto that um, along with everything else. So as we go through this, um, answer these questions, there's going to be a bunch of um, resources put out and stuff like that. We will put links. Um, if you go to the website, unashamedonefraid.com, obviously, we will put links there um, and we'll go from there. So we're going to start uh, with our first question. James,
3: do you want to read our first question? Sure. I wanted to thank you for the blogs and resources. I heard your story from a podcast featured on Leading Saints. I can relate. I struggle with addiction to pornography and nicotine. These have been my struggles for the last 26 years. I have tried the ARP 12-step program quite a few times over the last 12 years. I have had moments of sobriety, but never recovery. I'm still struggling. I am currently attending ARP. I have been for a few months now. Made it to 74 days of sobriety until crash and burn. Now I am struggling to get back on the horse to try again. I would like to know how to find hope. I have lost any and all motivation. I don't feel like I can find recovery ever. I go to church and am totally numb, just numb. This is affecting my marriage and our family. My sponsor says to pray. The the bishop keeps giving me talks to read. I feel like the intentions mean well, but the responses seem to just piss me off. My wife says my addict brain and ego are probably reacting. Pride. I struggle with pride, too. Um, I live on the East Coast. LDS resources are more limited. Non-Mormon counselors don't think porn addiction or nicotine addiction are necessarily a huge issue. How can Christ work in my life? I don't feel worthy of his help, and mm-hmm. I don't think it will work. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself as a changed person. I carry a ton of shame. Any words of advice? First off, mad
0: props. That dude, talk about getting raw, right? Yeah. And knows this. That's vulnerable. That is vulnerable. If you want to know what vulnerability is, bam, that guy just brought it to us. Awesome question. So a couple contexts. Bishop is like the uh, pastor, congregational leader for uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, church community, right? Um, and uh, the ARP program he's talking about is the LDS 12-step program, if you didn't know. So there's the context. James, you read it. Let's start with you. So it's a couple questions there.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of questions in here. Um, I mean, first of all, I can, I can totally relate with what he's talking about, how he doesn't feel worthy of help, and he doesn't think it will work, and he doesn't see himself as a changed person. I mean totally um, this is the same kind of thing that i i carried the same thing and if i you know anybody that's listened to our story knows that i struggled for in carrying that shame for over 20 years and um so i get that hopeless place that deeply unworthy place that he's coming from mm-hmm. where it, um and he's just numb he's like i i've tried it. he feels you know this person's tried everything that they know how to do, um, and it's and it's tough um, where he's at. As far as um, so, how does he find hope? How does he find hope? Stuff? There, there is still hope. That's the good news. Um, there, he, there are some resources that he can still go to. Um, my, my first thought is that. Um, He's limited in the resources that he is using right now. Um, well, and in, in
0: LDS culture, a lot of the anti-porn clinical type help kind of is stemming out of Utah, right? It's coming out of Mecca from an LDS perspective. Right. So in that sense, he's kind of, you know, culturally right. there's some limitations there.
3: Culturally, I don't know if, if there are on the East Coast, if there's some sort of a counselor that can can help him from at least a Christian perspective um, or a Christian counselor that would that would at least be like, hey, I, I get why you feel like this pornography is morally wrong, and I can understand why you want to overcome this in your life. Well,
0: and the nicotine, right? He wants right. to kick that, too. He's bringing them both in.
3: Right. So Sherry,
0: how does he find somebody?
4: Um, it might be a good idea for him to try to connect with some of the groups actually here, in Utah if he was looking for an, a Mormon counselor and say, Hey, what Skype are the resources? Too. And yes, a lot of them are starting to do uh, online sessions. That's almost exclusively what I do anymore. And so that gives people the opportunity to be wherever and get the specific resources. I mm-hmm. lived on the East Coast for gosh how how many years? Ten years and I mean, and I wasn't actually uh, fully practicing at that time, and I was constantly getting calls from mm-hmm. some of the groups out there. Um, Please come. There's just so much we don't even have. Yeah. There's not even resources, um, enough resources out there. So the great thing is we have these fabulous tools online that can help us connect and help you get some of those resources.
0: So. So a lot of those on our resources page, you can go there. And then like anything else, you kind of start finding it. You find all the other stuff, right?
4: Yeah. I think some so, of the other things we're going to talk about in terms of 12-step programs and things like that, like you can find people there that have, um, have options, that have found someone that they're going to that says, you know, yeah, let's, let's work on this.
0: And, so, and the other one I'll move to, so moving how we kind of talked about his sponsor and both Bishop are kinda of, so I, I like to call that the try harder gospel. That's mm-hmm. how I call it. It's like, well what if you just prayed right. more? What if you just tried hard so I sat with one bishop who told he's like, How often, you know, do you and he had some shame around him and still, you know, how often do you and I'm like, masturbate, porn, which what are you asking about, you know? And he's like, Well, every seven days about, like once a week about and he's like, Well what if we get to two weeks? And I'm like, I get it and then three weeks and then a month and and so a lot of times that comes from they just don't know, right? And so what, I mean, James, what worked for you to start finding the hope, right? For me, I heard men share their stories. That's mm-hmm. the entire reason I started this podcast and this website is because to me, I was like, dude, if that guy can do it, his story's crazy. Right. Referring to Chris and Autumn, whose story is on my blog, it, you know, if that guy can do it or Dave, who we just had on, Dave also struggled with meth, right? So guys submitting this question, right? Has, has nicotine, not the same, obviously, I realized that, but some themes, So for me, it was other men's stories. That's what made me kind of rifle through all the resources and stuff. Because I'm like, okay, someone's done it. Mm -hmm. So if they can do it, I can do it. You know, it's possible. But what, I mean, what was that
3: for you? The thing that gave me hope was just understanding that I actually had an addiction. And that addiction was something that there were resources for. That people could get help for addiction. And I didn't necessarily care that it was for pornography Alone, I just knew that somebody out there would know how to treat an addiction generally, and I could apply that to my life in whatever way that was, so that in and of itself gave me the greatest amount of hope and so i I dove into all of the resources that were given to me, actually Brene Brown being one of the first ones because mm-hmm. I recognized this uh, this guy talks Dude, you turns to Brene Brown we love Brene. yep Brene everyone's so nodding I like read, oh yeah, I read all of her books about shame and i dove into my own shame with reckless abandon i just it to me that became the adventure to really uncover all of the shame um and so instead of having it be a scary sort of approach to shame i saw it as an adventure to discovering all the skeletons in all my closets and to speak that because it, um, I recognized from that resource alone that just simply being able to speak that shame would, as Brene Brown puts it, cut it off at the knees yeah. so that it oh, yeah. no longer could hold so much power over me. So the other thing I tell you is maybe you go on
0: a recovery trip and come out to Utah and connect with all those resources on a weekend or for a couple of days so you can take it back. So Steve's story is on here, not me, Steve. I call him Alaska Steve because he literally flew down to Utah to do treatment. Now, I understand there's financial situations around there or whatever, but maybe that might be an idea too. That you can come meet some people and then go, okay, I've met that therapist in person, the Skype sessions connect now. Same for a spouse. Anything else on that one? I would like to
2: say something. Oh, so when I go ahead. Just uh, as a wife of an addict, I remember those same feelings, like, just being so pissed off when people would be like, here's the talk I heard, like, it's really going to change your life, you know, so I feel like I don't really have a ton of advice, and they just gave great advice, but I feel like we can all, like, relate to that, and we're all, you know, we've all been there, we've all felt those feelings, and we just, you know, want to love and support you.
1: Yeah, and I just wanted to say that, you know, talking to the almost the very last sentence of your question, how can Christ work in my life? And I don't feel worthy of his help, and I don't think it will work. And I just want to reiterate, and I, since you're a listener on the podcast, I know you've heard the stories, but there, I just want to re-emphasize, there is no chasm so dark, no cave so scary that Christ cannot reach in and pull you out. It's, there is always hope. There There's hope for everybody. That's what Christ, that's the whole reason he came to earth is to save all of us in our darkest places. And it's, it is for everybody. It truly is for everybody that will reach out and, and grab for him. And he will never, he'll never leave you alone.
4: And I love what you said there too, and would add that I don't think he just reaches in. I think he gets in with us.
1: Right.
0: And you will actually never be worthy of it. That part of your statement is true. True. James has hit me between the eyes on multiple occasions about trying to earn God's love. No, to be honest, that's been really big for me. Um, And kind of my last round of of recovery is you're not going to earn it, man. You're never going to be in a place where now God is ready to meet you. He's ready to meet you right now. You just have to believe that. So
3: that's big. As far as resources for him or something, the things that I think most of us probably that have worked recovery for a long time, we know that dailies work. Right. So there's certain things that you must do in order to achieve a level of recovery. And dailies is part of that. But you need a family support system, an ecclesiastical support system, a counselor to be, to help professional counseling to help you out. You need a sponsor that... As has actually worked recovery and is in recovery themselves. Not and the sponsor doesn't
0: have to live close to them. You can find a sponsor right. here in Utah and wherever. Across. I mean, it's a phone call. 99% of the time when I talk to my sponsors, it's on the phone. The guys that sponsor yeah. me work with me. And so.
3: recovery meetings. And now, do you want to say what you had to say about?
4: Yes, I would love to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I um, am uh, LDS. LDS. So I'll just throw that out there, and I've I've actually worked on writing content for the church's the LDS Church's site. Um, I've been a, a a missionary, a volunteer with that ARP program, and so I'm very I'm very invested in in having some of those resources out there. And I will say, as a counselor, that I don't recommend that people go to ARP as their uh, 12-step recovery meeting. And there's several reasons why. Um, But, and I I can just talk about a couple of them really briefly. Uh, First of all, there's an uh, anonymity piece. And there is a real power in being able to walk through and say, um, I'm coming into this room and I'm going to tell everything to these people and I'm not going to see them in my neighborhood or my church necessarily and they're not going to, uh, you know, be talking about, okay, well, we can't let uh, little Johnny play with, you know, at their house. There's, there's power in being able to be very anonymous um, in, and especially as you're starting recovery these guys are great. They've.
0: Well, and I think stepping outside of your church culture. Yes. I've done a lot of stuff outside also LDS outside. And that's just helped me because any shame I had around the culture wasn't present at those other. Exactly. And
4: that's one of the other, one of the other things that I think is really important is this, um, God discussion. Um, it's, um, when you're in a, a t- sort of 12-step space that um, is, is religious, specific religious, then you kind of come in and you, you say, okay, well, yeah, yeah, I know who God is because I already have this framework and this context built around it. And it is very rare for me to, to work with someone who doesn't have uh, conceptions about God that are holding them back. And Which are
0: probably not true about God or his exactly, true character.
4: Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, it's a belief from a long time ago or just James something like that. James is nodding like, yep. Yes, yes. They're inaccurate things that aren't serving them in their recovery. And being able to pull back from that um, in, in a circumstance to just pull apart all their ideas and their thoughts and their concepts about God and, and really rework that is not something that you get in that space. It's much more of a, a sort of testimony God's spirit is there, and then I kind of go home and try to do life. It's a, it's a lot more of a testimony to me. So I'm not saying that it's bad. Um, in fact, I think—
0: so You're saying just do it and a traditional 12-step. Yes. Step. I mean— Just do both.
4: Take those, take those concepts. Take those, those scriptures and those talks and those quotes and put them into a different a different framework um, that can do both. You're you're not limited, right? You don't have to do,
0: it's not like you pick one horse and that's the recovery horse you ride. Yeah.
4: Do both. And if that works for you and if you enjoy your group and you enjoy what you're getting out of it, absolutely do both. And, um, and then the third thing is a sponsor, which James Mm -hmm. talked about. You need that sponsor that, um, that's been there, Mm -hmm. that's done it, that's been there, that's walked the walk. Um, Otherwise, they have no clue what they're talking about. And, and they can be very well-intentioned and be so far off sometimes that it can actually be damaging.
0: So SA Lifeline here, there's a group out of here, they mm-hmm. do phone meetings. And, and So if you can't find, if you're like, that's great, I should find that person, where would I find them? If you go to those phone meetings for SA Lifeline, mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of men who run an SA Lifeline who have a lot of sobriety recovery behind them. Mm-hmm. And that could be, so, salifeline.org also on my resources page. But you could go there, you could do the just the phone meeting, and there's probably five or six guys who could be that sponsor. Absolutely,
4: yeah. Um, I also refer people a lot to just SA, which is Sexaholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. um, S-Anon for their spouses. They are international They, um, you can get sponsors, um, there, they, I know they have, um, just having lived in, uh, back East in some of the areas that you're talking about here. Um, I know they have groups, they have lots of groups. You can get to a meeting every single day if you wanted to. So lots of resources out there. Based on the fact
0: that you sent us this question, you were going to find recovery, our anonymous question asker. Yeah. You are being vulnerable. You are on the path. God is with you, brother. Yeah. We just appreciate you love sharing. You, honest, neat. Mm-hmm. Just, if we were all here today, we just give you the biggest hug. I want you to know that.
2: We were all talking about you before, and our heart goes out. We love you. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, our next question Kayla.
2: Okay. Hi, Stephen. I'm 40 years old, and I have struggled with an addiction to pornography um, slash sex for the past 25 years. I've been following your blog and listening to the recovery stories and they give me so much hope. I am sorry to hear about your struggles last year. Um, I have similar struggles and about eight years ago I was disfellowshipped from the church after coming clean and confessing everything to my wife and bishop. I don't know why my wife chose to stay but she did. Maybe I shouldn't be reading this question. (laughs) Um, Ironic, I have you reading it. She truly sees things in me that I can't see. Uh, After a year of being um, brought back into full fellowship, I acted out again with someone I met on Craigslist. And instead of being honest and confessing to my wife, I chose to start lying and hiding everything. I was so ashamed of what I had done, and I couldn't believe I was making the mistake I had repented of that. Wait. I was so ashamed of what I had done, and couldn't believe I was making the mistake I had repented of that I started to feel... That, was, uh, that all was lost and that this was just going to be part of the rest of my life. Part of me for the rest of my life, sorry. I continued to see this woman off and on for about six years. Although we never had sex, our relationship certainly was sexual. I didn't tell my wife and because I didn't tell her, I've struggled trying to overcome this all by myself. This last year has been the worst. I found myself going to massage parlors many times. I hate who I am and how I feel. I'm so tired of the double life I live. I wish I could just tell my wife and, be, er, and just be honest, but I am such a coward. Sometimes I feel my family would be so much better off without me. Since I started listening to and following your blog, I've heard so many stories of hope. I finally know and feel I need to tell my wife about everything regardless of what happens, but I've never been so scared of anything in my life. When you told your wife about everything from last year, how did it go? Was it worth it? Did she want to leave you? How was the disciplinary counsel and being excommunicated? How was it on your wife and her family? I hate knowing that when I tell her, I will cause even more pain because she thinks I've been in recovery all this time. I'm so tired of hurting my wife over and over. I've prayed so many times that Heavenly Father would guide me and help me to know the, right time, or the, know the right time to tell her, but I just don't know how or when to tell her. Sorry for all the questions. Your blog has helped me to feel that if I could just be honest with her, that maybe there still is hope for me after all.
0: Dude, I just love you. I don't even know you, and I love you, and we are kindred spirits. That's for sure, both in our story and... Okay, that first question's for you. Uh, when you told your wife about everything from last year, how did it go? How'd it go? I mean...
2: Yeah, I mean, it was hard, and it's horrible, and it's the last thing you want to hear. Um, I feel like I reacted, you know, just as most wives would, and I was... So mad. I remember I threw a Diet Coke that I was drinking right at him, and we actually still have Diet Coke in our wall. And sometimes I think about it when I see it, and I'm like, we've got to get that washed off. But um, I think that initially that's how I felt.
0: Question two Was it worth it? Um, yeah, absolutely, because I can tell you going through a couple rounds, I have the same feelings as you, like not worthy. Um, you know, uh, that I'm not worthy of God's love, that I hate who I am. It's one thing you said. I can relate to that. Um, and was it worth it? Yes, because when you're 100% honest, that's when you're in recovery. And, and why, I, why I ended up coming forward with everything is I tried to do it the other way. I said, I won't be 100% honest, but I'll do everything else in recovery right. And to be honest, I did. Um, but turns out, you got to do it God's way if you want God's love and his healing. It's not that he's like mean just you can't you know it's like gravity i mean you can say you don't believe in it but it is what it is god is limited to what you allow him to do in your life and when you're not 100% honest you're just sending the message that i don't trust you i don't trust your gospel so that's what it's really about it's not about you needing to you know put it on the altar so that judgment can sail upon your soul it's about that's that's like one of the greatest acts of faith you can do as an addict to say heavenly father you supposedly have all this healing for me and this path for me Th- that's that's faith as an action word. That's where you can put an action. So is it worth it? Absolutely. It's been a game changer. Um, it has every time that I've been 100% honest. And I'm 100% honest right now. And, like, I'm in recovery. Things are going really well. Um, did she want to leave you? So th- we, we've had a couple rounds of this. We've had, so <laughs> we've
2: had multiple rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So... So, Did you want to leave me? And how how's that all gone? Because people I, have told Kayla she's just dumb for staying with me. Yeah, I get on multiple all I get cases.
2: all the time that I'm young and naive for staying with my husband. And um, I think I wanted to leave him for about point five seconds of this whole journey, for real. Um, so no, I've I've never wanted to leave him. And I think it's just because like I know how great of a person Steve truly is, and like when I look at this issue we're struggling with like yes it's huge and it's hard but you know everyone is going through their huge and hard things and I look at the like the husband Stephen is and the father he is and I just I've never wanted to give up on that and to give up on him and I remember watching this I don't know if it was like a mormon.org video but the the lady was talking about her husband's pornography addiction and she was saying um, Satan wanted to take my family (coughs) sorry. <laughs> she was saying Satan, not, or Satan wanted to take my family and I wasn't ready to give Satan my family and that's kind of how I felt like through this whole thing. Like I love Steve. I truly do love him and I like hate these you know decisions that he's made but like I'm not ready to give stay, Satan my family and I've, I've never really wanted to leave.
0: How was it on your wife and your family? Oh,
2: she wanted to say something. I was
4: just gonna say I don't, at least from a Clinician's perspective and what I've seen, and maybe Christy can speak to this as well. This is that's not an uncommon response.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely normal.
2: And I think it's easy to say if my husband ever did that, like I'd be gone, right? I've said that to you before, sure. And then when you're actually going through it, like it's it's a lot bigger than just leaving.
3: So can we ask you the same question, Christy? Um, how did it go for you? Was it um, Did you want to leave me? Kind of maybe talk about what your feelings were as we went uh, through the journey.
1: Yeah, there were times that I just got sick of it. You know, after I we've been married for almost 22 years, and at a certain point, you know, I was in it 15, 16 years, and I was tired. And questioning whether, you know, maybe... I don't know. I felt like God had called me into this marriage, and maybe it was time. Maybe He was calling me back out of it. Maybe uh, our paths <laughs> needed to needed to be different. And um, you know, I was one of those who got into marriage saying, "We will never. We won't even say the word divorce. We won't entertain the thought." Um, and my my view on that changed as we went through. As we went through what we did, and. Um, I don't know what else really to say about that. I mean, people, you, her reaction is not in your control. Right. You still have to be
2: honest. Mm.
1: It's you are honest for you and your relationship with God. And she gets to decide what she's going to do with that. And may I just say, like, by not telling her what's going on, you're taking away her agency to
0: choose. Yeah, that hurts worse. So, Because that's a big question. You're asking a question that all of us as addicts ask her. Well, if we tell her it's going to hurt more, I kind of think of like, I think we all know someone who has like medical stuff going on, like physical medical stuff, and they can't get an answer and how frustrating and how hard that is. Like, it's like, I, I would almost rather just be diagnosed with cancer and know what's going on with my body than to live in this complete unknown. I think we all know someone who's been through something like that medically. And... I feel like it's kind of the same way. So I've never once heard a couple share their story and the wife actually said, I had no sixth sense or gut feel or spiritual prompting that something was going on. I thought everything was normal and I couldn't even believe it. Every single spouse I've ever talked to is, I knew something was off. I knew he was dead. They describe it differently, but like they know you're not okay. They know it's not okay. The lack of trust is already there. And so being 100% honest although it hurts a ton at first and is hard when that gets actualized, um, you really are, I just want you to know, you really are creating safety, helping heal her. You're not hurting her more. That's the adversary trying to turn that around on you by, by sharing. And if you ask Kayla, um, we've had multiple occasions where she asked me point blank, did you look at porn this week? And I'm like, nope. And I know it's going to come up on our accountability software. I already know and we're sitting there the next day, and she's like, "What is wrong with you? Like, you knew I was going to see it. Why couldn't you say?" And I was stuck where our question answer stuck. And and she would tell me all the time, she's like, "It's the lying that's worse, right?"
1: Mm-hmm. Totally.
0: That she'd rather just know. Mm-hmm. So um, because
1: when you're being lied to, you have to go back and rearrange what you thought was happening in your marriage and now you have to face the truth and go okay when we were really connected on that vacation that we went on together was that fake then she's got to right. rearrange all these things in her mind so that's why lying hurts so bad well mm-hmm. one of the many reasons but
0: <laughs> right the other <laughs> tangent and then I'm going to talk about globally, is, you, is you're asking about you know how did being excommunicated go so this is a specific LDS culture question but um, so, well, I will tell you in my experience, and I actually know a lot of people have been excommunicated in this fellowship running in this recovery crowd. Um, for me, it was a positive thing. And because sometimes people worry about, well, what if people in my ward judge me or in my stake judge me? And the truth is, if someone like really is judging you and having a problem, like you don't need them anyways. I'm not trying to be that way, but like those people aren't going to help you. I know people have had different experiences. Mine um, went very well. I had a unique experience, to be honest, with my stake president beforehand. I felt like the communication was really missing. It's like, I feel like he was like, what's your favorite color? And I'm like, blue. And he's like, well, why are you telling me about the weather outside? And I'm like, no, nope, I wasn't. I, I was telling you, you asked me what my favorite color was. So I just feel like the communication was off. And it was interesting because although I didn't even feel completely connected with him, I still... Felt very spiritually good about being excommunicated. I felt good about the process, even though him and I weren't like in sync. It was interesting. After, as I started to meet with him, I thought, "Gosh, I might have to kind of do some like clearing here." Like, "Hey, President, like we don't see everything the same. Like we need to have some understanding here." And and I showed up, and we just had it. We were there, and um, by and large, um, although those men may not know everything about addiction recovery. Like, they're trying to help you. And for me specifically, I feel like I'm unworthy of God's love. I have to earn it. And for me, this was another way for him to tell me, like, you're never going to earn it. You don't have to earn it. Any, any exterior facade. Um, and so Rob, who shared a story on the blog, he got excommunicated. He had been kicked out. He would lost his job. And he's like, as I'm sitting on my parents' couch with nothing... I finally realized all of these things that I thought defined me didn't. And that's how I would describe uh, that process. And I think that's one reason why God has this in the church is to help you not like, not worry about that, not judge yourself. Like he loves you. He wants you back. And so, I mean, for me, overall positive. I think, I
2: think you have to know like disciplinary courts are not, they're not done out of hate. Like they are, I mean, we've been through two together and I think I've, felt the spirit so strong like in both of those disciplinary councils and they're you know just done out of love and they want to be there for you and they want to support you and they're there for you
0: and I've I've had bishops who don't get it I've had and I know guys who have shared with me experiences and I'm like yeah it doesn't sound like a great state president to me sorry about that but that individual person they're not going to derail your recovery they're not gonna and the only time I've heard guys talk about disciplinary councils where they're like they were all wrong and I was right I was like bro, you're in a lot of denial. So I wasn't there, but you seem like not in a very good place, uh, in your recovery. And I had one guy who told me he thought it was wrong. And then uh, on another occasion told me outright that he totally lied in his disciplinary counsel. I'm like, well, you can't lie to God, bro. So no wonder that didn't quite work out for you. Like, you're not ready to really be honest with him. Um, so yeah.
4: Um, I'll just share a few thoughts. Uh, I have written down lies are worse from my experience with women, so I love that, that, that they brought that up. Um, also, when you're talking about disclosure and should I and, and all of those kinds of things, um, I, I like to, de- to describe to people their relationships as a Venn diagram. Um, so the circles that are kind of overlapping. So imagine your Olympic rings or whatever. And and you are one ring, and so you have the you need that um, that honesty for you and your connection with God and your own recovery, um, and a lot of people try to argue that okay, well a relationship is two circles, it's me and the other person, and that other person, um, you know, is my is my wife, and so she's kind of a separate person, so I don't need to, to engage with her, but there's a, there's a third circle. And that third circle is your relationship and what you're bringing to that relationship. And so that that third circle is the reason why disclosure to your wife is so crucial. It's because it's a separate entity that you two are creating from what you bring. And so when you are not being honest, um, you are taking out of that um, relationship, and you're keeping um, you're keeping things in a different place. You're not giving as much. You're not contributing to the relationship. And that relationship health, I mean, I think anyone would probably say that a good relationship would be based on trust and honesty. And so when you're not contributing that to the relationship, you're not going to have a good relationship, regardless of how, um, how you might think that it's hopefully going right now. Um, it's always going to be worse than what it can be when you bring that relationship and that, that honesty to that relationship. And the other thing I wanted to, to note is you say here, I finally know and feel I need to tell my wife about everything regardless of what happens. And then later you say, yeah, boy. Yes. And later you say, I'm, I'm tired of hurting my wife. I'm trying to find the right time to tell her. And, and my, my sense um, and, and, is that God just already told you, right? Time is now. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: He's already told you. He's he's laid it out for you. You've had that feeling. And so there's not, you know, I have, uh, I've worked with people, um, especially with spouses who've had, um, you know, their, their husbands like, oh, I knew I needed to tell her. And I just waiting for the opportune moment. And it's, you know, it's. Not like the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know. Like, there's not the <laughs> opportune <laughs> moment, right? It's, it's, it's life. And if you've had that feeling, God's saying it's time.
3: James, hit this guy between the eyes, bro. <laughs> well, um, I was looking back toward the beginning of the this question, actually. I saw James highlighting. So that's why I knew he was ready for you. <laughs> well. Um, so he once he came back into full fellowship, he acted out again. But that was the time to come clean. Um, but because he didn't, he has spent six years now in this trouble. And then finally after six years, it just got worse, mm-hmm. moving into massage parlors and other things. And he said right here, The big kicker is I've struggled trying to overcome this all by myself. Brother, you cannot fight this alone. This is, you are up against an enemy that wants you isolated. He wants you surrounded all by yourself trying to fight him. You cannot be an army of one. You will fall every time. The enemy has too many weapons pointed at you. You need resources. You need brothers. You need
4: those five all of
3: those things about? that we talked about, those mm-hmm. five or six things that we listed earlier in the, earlier the, in the podcast. You mm-hmm. must have other people to fight with you.
1: Family, ecclesiastical support, therapy slash counseling, a sponsor who has walked that walk, and recovery meetings
3: and dailies and so many other things, right? We, we have to kind of put all that into practice in order to fight off this adversary who wants you isolated and alone. He's the one telling you to stay quiet. He's the one telling you to keep it secret mm-hmm. because you don't have the support and strength of good people being like, hey, let me help you do this disclosure. A counselor would be a great place to go in, bring your wife and be like, okay, hey, I'm ready for some disclosure. Help me do this, and a counselor, a counseling session just for disclosure is completely normal, healthy, highly idea. recommended. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then you can start moving on that path forward. And until you, until you do, you're stuck right where you're at, and you'll probably devolve into uh, worse situations because you're carrying so many secrets, carrying so much shame, and. The adversary has you right where he wants you, chained in, locked down, where he can drag you down.
0: Boom. And the only thing I would tell you is your recovery path is it's different for everyone. Um, And it's those same themes, but it's different for everyone. But if you get 100% honest, that's when you're opening the doors for God to put things in your life. So a big one for me has been music. I listen to Christian music. I listen to Christian hip-hop. I go to the concerts. It's lame. Everyone can laugh at it. It's not their thing. It's been a huge thing for me. So I'll share with you a quote from my Christian rappers. He's talking the songs called Shame. Right? He says, um, Too embarrassed to share it, or maybe just too much pride, I create my own prison holding the keys inside, pushing myself, uh, punishing myself for all these crimes, and trying to convince God that I'm not a waste of his time. I have spent years, hours, countless efforts to convince God I'm not a waste of his time. And you're convinced you're a waste of your wife's time. And you're not, dude. You're just not. God is totally ready for you with open arms. He's going to put all this cool stuff in your life, just like he put Christian hip-hop in my life. <laughs> and an awesome wife, Kayla, who's amazing. And um, me. And James. <laughs> and just, <it's> Absolutely. <laughs> so, dude, he is ready for you. But I also, just one
2: more thing really quick. I think it's so important to know, like, your wife is probably going to freak out, and then she's going to be happy, and then she's going to feel at peace, and then she's going to be mad again. Like, that roller coaster is just, like, so normal. Mm -hmm. And it's her journey, not yours. Yeah, it's hers. And you just, yeah.
0: Just don't be alone in it, man. You'll be fine. Yeah. Way to reach out. That's awesome. Next question. Christy, this one is extremely heavy. Would you mind reading it?
1: (laughs) Is it? The, That's one, the, one. the one-liner? <laughs> <laughs> How should I approach watching R-rated movies after looking at pornography? Question mark. Um, a super practical one that we have used. I mean, I, re- I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know what to say on this one. But one practical thing that we use is the IMDb Parental Guide. And it'll tell you exactly what is in a movie and what you'll see. And so you'll know what's going to make you uncomfortable and what isn't. And we, we're pretty loose about R-rated movies, I'll just be honest. But we, we do tend to stay away from But are from you loose about sexual content? Not really, no. But yeah. that's us. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what's going to trigger you. So you'll, you'll need to, to look out for the content. I would say read the parental guide. And if something sounds like, yeah, that's going to be a trigger for me, Mm -hmm. you know, just be willing to say no to the story. It's just a story. There are millions of good stories out there. Choose another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I think
4: everybody is individual that way. And that the adversary pushes you to an extreme, right? So either kind of the, I'm never going to Mm -hmm. look at any media again for the rest of my life, because anything could be a trigger to, um, the other, the other end of, of being sort of complacent about it and whatever I'm going to get exposed. So it's not a big deal. But um, I think the idea is to get information, to, um, you know, ask people, ask these guys what their, their thoughts are, and then take that to God and, and have a discussion with him about that.
0: Yeah. I would just say, (coughs) Um, you can't use the world's rating system. I just get that ironic when people use the PG-13-R. Right. I'm like, we know the world ain't helping you out when it comes to pornography addiction, so wouldn't trust them. Um, the only thing that I would say that I've learned recently that's been really helpful is you can't negotiate with addiction. And so you, as an addict, always have to be 10 steps away. So if you get to any point where you're going like, well, I'll fast forward that scene, maybe it's not that bad. If, you, if you're starting to negotiate as to why it's okay, you're screwed. You're already wrong. So if you start negotiating, you got to go the other direction. Um, but like specifically, radar. I mean, there's a lot of guys love Gladiator. That's a huge movie. There's no sexual content in that. That's good. Um, another one has a million f bombs. Um, is Goodwill Hunting touched my soul about my trauma and what was hard. No sexual content. Right. Super radar, tons of F-words. So that's different for everyone individually. That one really tested me. For some people, too many, that'd be too offensive for them to get there. So different for everyone, but anything else on that one? We've hit it. Um, Next one. So um, my husband has been masturbating regularly. I confronted him about it and told him that it made me feel not loved and unimportant. Good for you with the courage. That's awesome. He was defensive at first and told me we don't have sex enough. We're all cringing. We're all cringing. Um, but he but he said it wasn't, just because his addiction's not your problem. I just have to say it out loud right now. Um, uh, he said it wasn't an addiction and that he would stop. The defensiveness made me feel like it was an addiction, and you were right. But I decided to believe him and trust that he would do what he said. But he hasn't stopped, and he has just gotten really sweet and affectionate, especially after he masturbates. This just feels fake, because it is. And and like he is trying to cover up the fact that he is still masturbating. You got it dialed in. I'm sure he, he thinks he is hiding it from me, but I can't pretend that it's not happening. I don't know how to tell him that this is a big problem. I'm afraid he will continue to deny that anything is wrong and continue the behavior. He also has a huge fear of me leaving him. So even the slightest hint at that being trouble for our marriage and it could cause more problems. How do I confront him in a way that he recognizes the problem, know that I love him, and am willing to work on this?
4: Do you want me to start? You're staring me down You're over ready. here.
0: I just feel like that is a great question for a therapist. Yeah. All
4: right. Yeah. Okay, I think there's a lot. There's a lot in here. Um, I, I mean,
0: d- she gets it, right? Right. First, you I just know. want to validate That's her. That's what I've like, down.
4: You know. You've got it, you know, you you know what's going on, you have that, and um, trust trust yourself on that because you know what's going on. Um, he he probably will continue to deny that anything's wrong and he probably will continue the behavior if he's not at a space to move forward. Um, he clearly has, you're, you're talking about a lot of shame here in the bottom um, of, of you leaving, There's a lot of stuff going on. The biggest thing is you say, how do I confront him in a way that he can recognize the problem, know I love him, and be willing to work on this? The short answer is you can't.
0: No matter how bad you want to, no matter how much you love him.
4: Yes. That has to be a his space thing. That is like, that's not even close to your realm of control. You have no space around that. You can't control that. What you can do is say... This is this is a problem. I I love you. I want to be with you. I don't want to be with this attic part of your brain. This is the person I want to be with. Separate those out. That that's a really useful tool throughout all of therapy. But um, but separate those out. Like this is the person I love. I love this person underneath, and this is the person I want to be with. Um, And Kayla said earlier, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and that's who I'm willing to fight for. And that's who I want to be with. And that's, that's who I love. And then you go get help for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: That's, that's your responsibility is you, you getting into SNN or other, um, another, um, 12 step program for you, find your hope and your healing and your process and, um, That's actually one of the biggest invitations for him to move because you're going to get much healthier. You're going to learn the the tools that you need to stay in this space of you know, that you know what's going on and you know what you need for yourself. And so you're going to bring this incredible strength to your relationship through you and through that relationship circle that we talked about earlier and that is probably the biggest invitation to him. But again, you can't do it to get him to do something or what you've just done is stepped over the line from a boundary into manipulating him.
1: I mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. just wanted to add, I um, don't know if you have sought out therapy or anything like that, but it, um, make sure that when you meet with a therapist or get Help of any kind, you kind of find your way into um, the principle of boundaries, which right. I know you just mentioned. But boundaries was a really big learning, um, a really big piece of my own re- recovery journey. Uh, it was huge for me, learning my own boundaries and what was what belonged to James and what belonged to me. So. And that's, that's pretty much what you said in a nutshell, but just watch for boundaries. There's a book, Boundaries in Marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to your therapist. Help it's me, you know, ask her or him, um, can you guide me on establishing some boundaries here? Mm-hmm. And they will be happy to do that. Any therapist would. So. Yeah.
4: I have a I have a boundaries course that's coming up in a couple of weeks, um, online, live course. So that's another
0: option. Great. We can cool. find it on your website? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah which we'll, we will think on the website.
2: And just the whole echoing and echoing and echo. <laughs> um, I totally agree, Like you just have to do therapy for yourself. I feel like at the beginning of when Steve came out with everything, I turned to codependency. Like I was going to control the outcome of his addiction. I was going to make sure that he didn't look at porn today or that he didn't do this. And then just kind of this last go around, I feel like it's been so eye-opening for me. Like. I have to choose happiness and joy on my own. And, like, what Steve is doing, like, is not my problem. And a therapist is, like, a therapist is so good at, you know, talking you through that and making sure that you're on the right course.
0: And when she acts that way, I just want to recover so much more. It's like gasoline on the fire of my recovery. So, because it, it seems counterintuitive, I think, to the spouse, like i just go well whatever boundaries your problems your problems but then it's like oh, but we still
2: have boundaries
0: <laughs> no no but i'm saying <laughs> yeah. yeah a lot of times i think to the spouse it feels like i'm giving him permission to just stay as an addict and do whatever they want mm-hmm. if i don't try and cross or, an or, knee, a, an yeah, or an ultimatum or i'm giving him an ultimatum which, you, yeah, which right, she done. brought up he's yeah. a, he's afraid of right or the ultimatum but really you're empowering him you get healthy he's empowering him, right
4: mm-hmm. yeah. yep
0: Who hasn't read a question? Who's our next question reader? I haven't read I think Sherry's up.
4: All right. Okay. I was unfaithful to my wife of 30 years. She found out last July. I was secretly seeing online prostitutes and had been doing so for several years. She did not leave me, and we are working to restore our marriage. We have been to a marriage intensive and a sexual biblical wholeness intensive. Good for you. Yeah. Needless to say, I've had a porn and sexual addiction for most of my life. I have really been trying to work on my walk with Christ and to be transparent with my wife. My question is, how transparent is too transparent? I mean I don't want to overwhelm her and when I if I have, if and when I have a lustful thought or desire. Part of me thinks she shouldn't be the one I put the weight of this on. I just stumbled across your website, a God thing I'm sure your input is appreciated.
0: Sounds like a question for a therapist. Yeah.
4: Okay, I can absolutely talk about that. Um, This probably your biggest um, help in answering this question is to talk to your wife and find out what she wants to know Um, because they're ultimately again with that relationship circle that's that's her information that she needs and yes there is too much information sharing details about who they are and what they look like and things like that are not helpful um, but based on the circumstances and where they're at, um, they might ask for more information. They might ask for less. They're going to be in the process of setting their own boundaries and kind of figuring that out, what it is that they need. You know, I have, I have clients that don't want to know anything. I have clients that are, you know, very small amount, I would say. And I have clients that it's very helpful for them to know more. Um, uh, for example, I, I worked with someone who was – very able to sort of separate this idea that uh, a trigger isn't, a lustful thought isn't actually an, an action um, that is, is you know, a detrimental space. It's what you choose to do after that. And it was really helpful for her to actually hear about every single lustful thought just to have that little, uh, you know, I just had a lustful thought, this is what I did. Because what she was able to see is, oh my gosh, like, okay, so I'm thinking in my head there's like, okay, five lustful thoughts a day. Um, and, but really there's like 200 and he has been doing amazing and handling all these 200.
0: She better understood his Yes,
4: yeah, She really understood the process so much more of what he was going through. And that was really powerful, um, for her. That is kind of more of an unusual circumstance, but finding out from her what she wants, um, to know is going to be really probably one of the most helpful things, obviously you know, you're talking about um, dumping a lot of, of weight on her. Don't, she shouldn't be the only one that you reach out to. You know, you should be reaching out to a sponsor. You should be reaching out to other people, your therapist, you know, talking through some of those things. Um, but in terms of, of what your wife needs to know to feel safe, she's going to be the one that is going to make that call.
0: Is and, and you should have a space with some men. Sponsor men's group, whatever. Right. Because you're not always in the best place, and you shouldn't always bring that to your wife's door. Right. Right? Yeah. So you may have something come up that you're like, yeah, I totally wanted to go back to one of these online prostitutes. I was so mad, and I'm like, my wife is so, like, rude, and you may be in a blame blaming everything on her moment. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, that's a good time to be with some of your guys. that can be like, hey, I've been there, dude. I get it. But by the way... And then you may, an hour later, be like, or the next day, be like, oh, that thinking is so flawed and wrong. That's not at all where I should be and who I want to be. I was just knee-jerk in the moment, right? Yes. Same thing I've had times that in the m- – something that's helped me is when Kayla's been really triggered in the moment, I feel like sometimes she's asked me, like, two detailed questions. Mm-hmm. And in the moment I can see, I'm like, this is her fear, her control. Mm-hmm. And so in those moments I've been like, well, why don't we talk to a therapist? And if a therapist said I should answer that question, I will. And some of those, yeah, I've needed an answer. And some of them, no, I'm not going to answer. We're never going to talk about. Yes. That's, that's a good, that'd be toxic and that'd be a good thing.
4: Definitely involve the therapist. And she needs yeah. to be involved with her therapist working through, okay, well, what is too much? Mm-hmm. What is not enough? Where do I need to feel safe without allowing the fear and all and that And don't beat her up control. with it.
0: It, it. That's part of the creating safety is it may not be a specific moment. I feel like a lot of times with the addicts, right, we want to have a single moment right okay I'm going to disclose everything and then we're never going to talk about it again it's like know where those lines are because she may want to talk about it later yeah,
1: she might want to go back and that's totally
0: fine we might have additional questions right yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: James anything else on that no it's good do you want to read the next one?
4: Oh, I actually I do have one more thought on that um, no, we moved on. <laughs> no, going back. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a phrase that some of my uh, people that I've worked with use, and it's um, a less motivated decision. So for a lot of mm-hmm. women, the less motivated decision is sort of where they find that uh, sweet spot for what they want to know. Like, I don't want to know every time that, you know, you have a lustful thought, but when you make a less motivated decision mm-hmm. based on that lustful thought, that's okay. where I would like to have
1: information
3: yeah Hmm. yep good insight yeah Yeah, I like that too all right hello Stephen I ran into your website about six months ago right when my husband told me that he had not been honest our whole marriage and he had looked to pornography when our marriage got hard He was also drinking to cope with marriage issues when he was on business trips, and because he was sure our marriage was about to end, he thought about all the worst things he could do, so he went to a strip club. This was back in the fall. Your story, as well as other stories on your website, gave me so much hope in the months that followed. I still loved him and 100% believed that the atonement could heal our marriage and both of us individually. We worked past that but I always felt like he wasn't truly star- sorry. From what I have listened to um, of your stories and of others, everyone had a grace moment or a rock-bottom moment. He struggled a lot with feeling like he would ever make it into the celestial kingdom. On his mission, he That's worked... a
0: non-LDS translation, to, to make it to heaven, to
3: get back to God. Yeah. Um, on his mission, LDS mission... Um, He worked with counselors to overcome pornography during his exit interview. His mission president asked him if he had overcome pornography. It crushed him deeply to tell him no. When we were dating, he told me about the pornography, and I still married him because I knew that that didn't change his worth. God still loved him, and I thought that I would be able to help him. So a few months after everything came out in September, we were still having issues he wasn't really connecting with me. He would go to a poker club to not have to deal with his feelings. I woke up one morning at 1.30 and he wasn't home. Uh, he was still at the poker meeting. That triggered everything from the fall and told him that I was done. I couldn't be with someone who would just run to places every time his feelings were hurt. That was almost three weeks ago. Since, we have separated. He told me he wanted to get divorced. I was still fighting for the marriage when he told me he had viewed pornography again and had gone to the strip club again. This was last week. This isn't who he is. I know he's struggling with feeling worthy. I believe he is pushing me away because he doesn't feel like he is a good choice. We have two beautiful little girls. I'm hurting because Satan has him right where he wants him. How do I reach him? What can I do? I still want our marriage to work. I have seen the miracles in your story and I pray God will give him a grace moment. Can you help me understand what he might be going through? Wow.
0: Well let's let's start there with her with her direct question, James. James and I know exactly what he's going through. I'll let James talk about (laughs) it.
3: Uh yeah. He's hurting um, and he doesn't know, he doesn't know how to deal with that pain and um, he's looking to other resources, (laughs) unhealthy places to numb out that pain or to cover it up. I know that his level of self-loathing, if it's anything like mine, he probably, he probably figures he would be better off dead or um, probably can't stand to look himself in the mirror. Um, that's my guess as to what he might be going through, um, him pushing you away and wanting to get a divorce. Uh, there's probably multiple factors there. It's part of his addict brain that would release him to be free to go and pursue the addiction, and also, I, to your point, he just doesn't feel worthy and like he's a good choice anyway. So I'm not worth fighting for. So, and he's saying I will release you from that responsibility. So therefore, uh, we let's get a divorce so I don't continue to cause you so much more pain. Uh, that's those. That that's where my thoughts go as to where he's probably at. Yeah, Steve, what do you I, think?
0: I think, I think he's—so you talk about, like, you shame cycle and addiction cycle. I think there's two ends of that. So I think for me, I spend half my time in shame trying to convince God I'm not a waste of his time. And I'm doing everything. I'm doing I'm to try-harder gospel, right? But then the other side of that, which is where I think he's at, is then you start doing the thing. Like, I feel like in some ways my, my last round of acting out— yeah, I
2: feel like this is so similar to our last— yeah, like
0: my, my last round of acting out was, uh, I would argue it's the worst acting out that I've done. as far as like if we all want to put a judgment on how bad was that sexual activity is the worst. And I feel like that was a way for me to say the adversary has convinced me of all these half truth, half lies, about my identity. So I'm just gonna do things that prove out that that's true. So it's who I am, that's it. There we go. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Shame shame works that way. It's like, "Well, you are terrible." And I'm like, "Well, I probably am terrible." So I'll just do this again. yeah, and I am a terrible person. And it, and it's just it's cuz it's a half truth, half lie, right? That's that's something that people don't want to admit. Addiction works, right? There is a high. And then the shame buries you even deeper. So what do you do? You try and get high again. And then that you shame buries you even deeper. So he's in that cycle and um yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to, to being... This is why addicts aren't honest, right? Is because they're just thoroughly convinced of what the outcome is. And so to tell someone, well, you should be honest. The outcome's different than what you think. It's like, no, it's not. I know what the outcome's going to be. And they're just so convinced of the, the messages the adversary's given them and the shame that they're stuck. So I, I, I know right where he's stuck.
3: So as far as... How do I reach him? What can I do?
4: It might be a little bit similar, but um, you you can't reach him. And it's not your job to reach him. As much as you love this person and just from the depths of your soul want to be there for this person... um, you know, because you know underneath, like you said, this isn't who he is, and you know who he is, and you can see that um, it, it isn't your job, and you're not capable of doing something that's going to change the outcome. Um, but again, I would really encourage you to do your work, to do the work that is going to get you into the space Um, those healthy spaces with boundaries with therapy with all of those those things that are going to invite him um, to a space of recovery Um, and it doesn't doesn't always happen that someone is ready for that and um, and that can be hard to hear and and hard to swallow Um, but it is true and that also doesn't negate whether or not you need the healing and the hope and, and all of that, and that this is not, it's still the best option in terms of opening space uh, for him um, doing the best that you can. Uh, I love, you know, what you're saying. This isn't who he is. I, I love him. I want to be with him. I want to fight for the marriage. And I think if you come from that healthy space of not trying to change or fix him, you can say all of those things. Um, And it can be a meaningful uh, discussion and conversation. Um, I love you. I want to fight for our marriage. I want to fight for this real person that I know is in there. And I know that maybe you don't think that that real person is there or you're not sure who the real me is anymore and all of those things. But I am willing to stay and fight for this person if, if you're willing to step into that space with me. Um, you're mentioning, uh, James is mentioning all these, um, you know, the self-loathing and, and the, or I can't remember who actually said it, but the, the acting out to feel better again. And um, there's so many things that he needs to do. We talked about those five things and getting into therapy is going to help him get not only unravel the, um, the neural pathways and everything that, that go into this addictive cycle, but it's also going to then start to process and, and work through all of the underneath things, right? Because most, most addicts have been, I mean, it's been decades, right? Right. And they've they're been in this patterns for so long, and using those patterns to self-medicate what's going on in their life um, and the struggles that they're facing um, that, and you know what other people do it other ways, like chocolate, of uh, different things. You know, we, we try to, to take, and of, and of course it's not even close to the same, the same thing, but therapy gets to those underneath issues and, and starting to get into that space of, um, of, of how do I do uncomfortable feelings and difficult situations and all of those kinds of things, um. And so you're stepping into that space and saying, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna go to therapy. You're welcome to join me if you if you like." You know, those I'm are. I'm not giving up on you. I have hope yeah. in you because high yes. level, right?
0: This he needs hope. Yes. Right. He he is hopeless right now. Yes. He yeah. needs hope. That's, that's, where that's the, the big shame X factor you. that he's missing. Yes. Right? And all the details that Sherry just described, he'll he'll jump into those and those things start processing his life, if he yeah. can get some yeah. hope. Kaylee said this was like similar to what you and I have been going through recently or where we've gotten... Do you want to share that or have any thoughts? Or?
4: Just I didn't have was anything helpful. specific. What was helpful for you, maybe, yeah. in that process?
2: Yeah, I just... I mean, just kind of going back to the same question, like, I feel like this last, this last go-around was so different in so many ways. Like, I saw Steve broken like I've never seen him broken before, and... Um, Through this whole process Steve has never once said like I don't love you. I want a divorce and um, At this last thing we were at a therapist's office when he disclosed something and we were sitting in my car after and I was just kind of in shock and I was like well like Like I don't want to get divorced like where do we go from here? And he was just like really quiet and I was like well You don't want to get divorced do you and for the first time he was like like I don't know Maybe we should just get divorced and just like I could just see the shame And I think that it's just so similar to this story. I'm like, this is exactly, you know, who Steven was. I don't think he wants... Like, deep down, I know Steven didn't want to get divorced, but he thought, you know, like, maybe my life is just so rock bottom that, like, I'm just going to get divorced to, like, keep from hurting her more, you know? When I don't think that's his true feelings.
0: Yeah, right on.
2: And I feel like this is, like, where betrayal trauma can come in. Like, um, I love when Steve says... I don't even know if you said it. You probably heard it from somewhere, but it's like you totally have to. <laughs> <up>. I know. <laughs> you have to do your own. You have to do your own work, mm-hmm. um, even if your husband or your partner isn't going to change. Because you, what did you say? Like. They threw up on you, and even if they're not going to change, like you still have throw Dude, that up on is you. That's me original. Yeah, that is, is the original.
0: 100%. I know, I've, I've always
2: loved that because everyone's like, "What is betrayal trauma?" And I'm like, "Well, now you're just covered in throw up. So, like, what are you going to do with it? You know, like." Well, because gotta- when we
0: started, kids like, "This is my problem. Yeah. I don't need to go to exactly. life." Starts your problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's some truth to that. I am the one who's sick, but I did throw up all over you. So, if you don't yeah. clean that off, like you're going to start to stink. What and even mean? if that right, if he chooses to get divorced, right, mm-hmm. if he leaves and just. Because, like, she's not in control of it, right? If he right. won't get out and she's sitting here divorced, they're already separated, right? Mm-hmm. And um, none of us wish this for you, obviously. But if that happens, if she doesn't clean the vomit off, the next marriage she steps into a relationship or yeah. whatever, she's going to bring that baggage, right? Those problems, yeah. she's got to solve them.
4: That's one of the things that I um, I talk about with the way that I describe it is um, you're in a car, a car accident with a drunk driver, and you have, you know broken ribs and and, uh, punctured lungs and legs sticking out at weird angles, you would never say, as long as that drunk driver gets into rehab, I'm gonna be fine. Mm Right, you would go to the ICU. You would go and do all of the the physical therapy appointments, all those things that you needed to do. Even if it took years to fully recover, you would just automatically do that. And the same is is should be true of your emotional healing. You have you have sustained injury. You've sustained trauma, betrayal trauma. It's trauma. Um, a lot of even a lot of uh, uh, spouses in the situation can actually. Uh, have a full diagnosis of PTSD um, and so it's a, it's a trauma that needs recovery and healing work regardless of the outcome of the relationship
0: and I would strongly encourage you and I we move on this is um, to watch the movie Heart of Man um, it's a really beautiful they use the kind of the analogy of the prodigal son and a bunch of couples share their recovery stories on there about how God is—God um, knows your husband and is coming to find him. Um, and it keeps coming to me because in here, you know, you've asked, like, Steve, I've listened to your story these other stories, and they have these grace moments where God just intervenes. Um, I know for sure I will pray that your husband has those grace moments, but what I will tell you is he will because he's God and God is going to find him. God wants to disrupt His heart, free Him from this, and God has the power to do it. He's never so. What Christy said earlier, right about the other question, there's nowhere too deep, too far gone. There just isn't. Um, So that movie, I think, would be really great for you if you can get him to watch it. I think it'll be awesome for him. Uh, Maybe can have his grace moment with that movie. I don't know. But heart,
2: heart of a man, isn't it?
1: Heart of man. Heart of of man. We'll put a link.
0: We'll put a link in uh, to Amazon or wherever. Um, But God's gonna find him. He is. God loves him. Christy, anything to say on that?
1: Yeah, but it's kind of a downer. No, that's sometimes we unashamed and
0: unafraid, Christy.
1: Um, I in in my group therapy, I saw I saw a lot of marriages um, that didn't work because. The addicted partner was not, he was dragged to therapy against his will and didn't really want change. I'm not saying that this is what's going on here. I just wanted to bring it up as a possibility. I, I'm i just reading back in your question where it says, we worked past all that, meaning him going to a strip club, and. but you said, I, I always felt like he wasn't truly sorry, and I just want to reiterate the fact that he, you know, all this, he, all this focus on he and what he, I, I see all this good in him and I see this and I see the possibility and I see that. You also have to see that he, he's got to be in it 100% or else, I mean, you can't be married to yourself, like, (laughs) yes, be ready. Yeah.
0: Yeah, God wants a beautiful life for you, the so, woman who so submitted God, this. God question. Absolutely, absolutely
1: God absolutely will come and rescue him. The the thing is, your husband has to be willing to be rescued.
0: Well and God's gonna rescue her.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that may be her leaving this marriage. That may be God's path absolutely. for her to so, happiness and, and his right. will.
1: But he has to be he has to be looking for that rescue for himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't know. Just reading between the lines, I'm not 100 percent sure that that's what's going on here. Yes, and yeah. I feel like
2: that was always like a boundary for me. Like Steve has to be active in recovery
1: and right. wanting it and choosing it, right? And not me and not pounding him right him mm-hmm. into it, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and what I would tell you is, don't, don't, uh, don't wait around. Maybe the wrong way to say it, but it's not your job to live a life of misery, waiting for him to change his mind to actually deal with his addiction. Yeah. That, that's I don't think that's God's will for you and your life and so do what sherry started describing on top like get on your own path and if it comes to a moment that on your own path that to really be happy Um, i know several people who have been divorced and remarried and because they were in the path of recovery their second marriage is awesome we have one guy we know that she was the one who wanted to get divorced she's like i'm out and he he always says he's like it takes two people want to get married and only one person want to get divorced he's like it wasn't my decision i didn't even choose that He's remarried. he's happy. it's awesome. I know a lot of stories like that. We know another guy who got divorced in his mid 40s and he was still an addict and he's like, "I'm never going to find happiness. I'm in my mid 40s. I'm an addict. No one would want to marry this. I saw him and his wife at a Christian concert. His second wife, they're happily married. It's awesome so like you your happiness is not tied to whether or not he changes and right yes, God wants yes. you to be happy in your life. follow God yes yeah. and
4: and God will make it apparent to you as you work your path of recovery it will become clear where he is saying you know um i i've heard of ecclesiastical leaders who said you know trust trust them even if they don't deserve it you say no you trust god god will be that person that directs you to you know what you need in in your life to find that that happiness
0: yep Last question. James, we started with you. Let's end with you. I just he read. Just the last read. One. Oh, you just that's right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you, you take it, man. All right. Hi, thank you so much for all the stories and resources you share on your website. You're welcome. Thanks for reading and listening to them. I'm a recovering sex addict. Me too. I'm looking for a C-stat <laughs> therapist or any professional that can help me work the steps and help my wife cope with my recovery. Any suggestions? A ton. I live in Austin, <laughs> Texas, and I'm willing to do online meetings if needed. Any general guidelines that would be great? So I think we've talked about boy, already can people I just say, kind of Boy,
1: is this guy revved up about recovery or what? I oh, yeah, I yeah. He's he's oh, yeah, this guy's legit. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. He, Sorry. He's like, I is want help,
3: interrupt? and I want my wife to have help, Where and I'm going? willing to do whatever yeah. it takes to get help.
0: Boom. One, that he's there, right? That's recovery. He's that's recovery so we, we've yeah. talked about, like, online meetings, Skyping with therapists as possible. We've talked kind of about, and we'll put some specifics in this post because that's already been a previous question of some specific online resources. But I like is, like, general guidelines. So when he starts swimming in the pool of recovery resources, general guidelines. So I will share one that I found helpful for me with therapists. I was getting individual therapy with the therapist, and I was like, every time I show up, we're talking about something different. One, one session's about my childhood. The next one's about my marriage. The next one about addiction. And after like three or four months going every week, I'm like, I feel like this is random and going nowhere. So I went, switched to therapist. Um, and when I went to the new therapist, I was like, dude, you got to have a game plan. Like, what's the game plan for me? And like in general terms, he was able to tell me like, this is probably generally where you're at. Here's some things that are true for you. And here's what I think you should do about it. When Kayla and I, we went through three mm-hmm. different couples therapists. So we found one we liked. And after one session, she was like, here's your deal, I think. Here's some major things you need to work on. And we were like, yep. She helped us see those. And we were like, yep. And she's like, my guess is if you show up here every week, based on your guys' willingness, this is somewhere around a six-month process. And then while we were there, we stumbled on some other big things that Kayla and I agreed with were things. And we ended up going to her for a year and a half. And at the conclusion of that year and a half, she actually fired us. She was like, look, you know what to do. You just have to go do it. So if you're super stuck and wanna come back, come back. But like, so that's just one thing I'd say about therapists is you don't have to sign up and be like, just whatever you say, I'm gonna go at random. You can be like, no, I want recovery, I want healing. You tell me what that looks like and a good one Right. And you can't just we'll be able to give you some type of guidelines, right?
4: Yes, I love that. I I always tell people the therapist works for you. You don't work for the therapist. If you if it's not working, Mm -hmm. get somebody else. There's so many different theories and backgrounds and personality differences and all of that. You find what is what works for you. And and therapists they're very, you know, aware of that. Yes, okay, this, you know, personality even conflict. Or I had someone who couldn't go to uh, their last therapist because uh, they just happened to really remind them of their mother. And it just <laughs> wasn't working out. And it wasn't that, th- you know, anything about therapy. So find the person. And sometimes it does. It takes a couple therapists mm-hmm. to find someone who's going to do for you what you want them to do for you. And, um, but keep looking that it's definitely, that is, it's their job. They work for you.
2: And we had, we went through a therapist that was so great for Stephen, but she was not good for me. Like, she was so outspoken and she just told me, like, how it was and, like, that was so hard for Tough me. Tough personality
0: for Caleb, but good personality. But so good for mm-hmm. Steven.
4: So it's like, you just have to find, like, who works for you. Yeah, sometimes you'll have different therapists for individual mm-hmm. and, a, and a specific one for your, your couple counseling just find and it will works. and
0: it will and it will ebb and flow so kayla mm-hmm. and i had a great experience in couples counseling learned a lot we have not really been back to couples counseling not because we're against couples counseling but of all the different resources tools that hasn't been the one that's like oh, that's what we really need it's been other ones so that's yes. just my two cents on counselors yes. people Love always it. tell me oh, i went to counseling and it sucked i'm like it probably did and that counselor probably was bad so I will say there's a lot of therapists who just aren't good at it. That's, there's just a truth. like all yes. industries, whatever, you're an attorney. There's a lot of attorneys that aren't good. You're an insurance agent. There's a lot of insurance agents that are good. So if you went to therapy and had a bad experience, you probably did. They probably weren't that good. But he already mentioned the C-STAT. Yeah,
2: how does he go about finding that?
0: So mm-hmm. C-STAT, they have a website. You can go to the C-STAT thing and find the C-STAT people there um i think you start with the clinics here in utah right we have sherry here there's lifestar there's atto right but they'll Mm -hmm. skype we talked about skype sessions any other general guidelines it's kind of about therapy 12 steps any general guidelines or
1: you know almost right away when a therapist Mm -hmm. is helpful for you yeah
0: or a group or a group yeah for sure yeah
1: But. but hit all those points
4: Hit. Don't just you know find yeah, a therapist just for you, but yeah, you know the,
3: the general guideline is again it's kind of those five six topics we're talking about. You need you know individual therapy. You need you know help some from sort your sort of family. Group, yeah. You need all those things: I'll group therapy, friends. family, friends, all the all of the things we've been bringing up. All of those things are going to be key to your long-term recovery and help. Yeah. Find, it's, and for your spouse, yeah. Find
1: some friends um, that have been through addiction recovery
3: find and those can be found at and they can be found
1: meetings. at groups and yeah. meetings
4: yeah. yeah
0: 12 12 step meetings or i would tell you if you go to church this is kind of part of what church should be i i know i'm a little bold i know i'm on the bold end yeah. but
4: church should be should
0: be but here's the thing i i change i have worked to change the culture in my mm-hmm. church community and it has worked because there's a bunch of people out in the wings so i do a retreat the wild at heart retreat uh, the Warrior Heart Retreat, love it. It's been a game changer for me. I'm sitting in my, my church, my Sunday meeting, Sunday service. Guy gets up, and he's talking, and I lean over to Kayla, and I'm like, this dude's been on the retreat. Because he wouldn't talk that way unless he'd read Wild at Heart yeah. by John Elders." So I w- what do I do? I walk up to him after, and I show him. They give it these go- dog tags at the retreat. So I show my dog tags. I'm like, you and I have a conversation we need to have. He and I are great friends. I truly believe God put us together in that church community. So, like, so God's going to put people around you organically to help you. Because recovery is just living the gospel. So he's going to help you with that. Um, anything else? General guidelines for reaching out? Who to find? Austin, Texas is nice. If I visit, I will look you up, anonymous question person, even though I don't really have your information. We can come our way and
3: come to the to the Warrior Heart retreat. Yeah, come if to the you, retreat. That could got, be a big one. If the resources, if you've got the resources, it's a great weekend. We're going to do one in Alaska yep. in September. There's another, another one, one here in, in November Utah. Here in, in Utah. Utah. Um, so if you'd like to do that, reach out to us, or there's links on the website.
0: Yep. Um, we will have... Uh, Sherry's contact information here so you'll be able to reach out to her. Um, You can always email me here. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found. If you have any more questions, you can submit them. We'll answer them in episode six, which will become foretelling as we get more questions. Um, Totally subscribe. (coughs) Subscribe by email. Like us. Let us know all the things I'm supposed to tell you to do as someone who's trying to run a successful podcast. Insert all that language here. Um, Any other those are all the questions we've answered them any other last comments final words Christy final words
1: final words Um, I would just repeat there's always hope lots of questions today about um, where can I find hope I've lost my hope I don't have any hope for my husband there's always hope for those who are willing to reach out to the Savior who wants to heal us all
0: absolutely
3: God is good it, um, for you men that are having a hard time believing that um, that journey with with God can be a long one. I know mine was. Maybe we do a, bod- a podcast on that sometime. We should. Um, about what that means to break down what you thought your views were and rebuild them again. Um, but God is good and he wants you redeemed. He wants you saved. He wants you free from these chains that are holding you down.
4: I, was, I have a last thought. Final, word. Last
3: final <laughs> word, yeah.
0: Give everyone a final word.
4: Um, I just, I would say, too, yes, just get um, a lot of people talking about, you know, where do I start or where, where do I go? Just all of those resources get out of the secrecy and trying to do everything yourself, and also trying to try harder gospel. I love that so much. Um, <laughs> there's there's more. It's, those are important points, but there's so much more, so many more resources, so many uh, more things that are available to you that will help Um Everything, all of these things are so so helpful and so important as you're as you're moving forward in your journey, whether you are a betrayed spouse, whether you are an addict uh, looking to move forward in your recovery, look for all of all of those things
2: yeah, um I just agree with everything that was said, and I just think you have to remember like you are worth it and the fight is worth it, and heal for yourself, not for anyone else and you can do it.
0: As I put on the blog, as Lecrae says, there's plenty of people like me, all outsiders like me, all unashamed and all unafraid to live out what they're supposed to be. That's what inspired me to start recording these men's stories. You are not alone. No one is alone in this. Um, reach out your loved and mad props to those who submitted these questions. That takes a ton of courage. Um, and so just bless you for that um i want you guys to know because i see the back end of this these questions that you've asked other people had these questions and you helped them so kind of the 12th step you helped them find answers so not only hopefully has this been helpful to you but you've helped us here unashamed unafraid to help other people by asking these questions that they have and relate to so um tell our next episode stay in recovery be honest find god he loves you and we'll see you guys next time